Non-stop talk radio, streaming 24 hours a day. TalkZone.com TalkZone.com It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, when it takes effect next month, the, their air will be cleaner, but it's the broadest smoking ban yet, uh, banning smoking in your own apartment. Belmont, California, the anti-smoking capital of the U.S. It's what we do each and every week during this time. We focus on science-based nutrient supplementation. Noted research scientist, educator, and author, Dr. Luke Bucci, Vice President of Research for Shift Nutrition, joins us to launch a series on digestive support. Today, all about the enzymes. We're talking about digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Your questions about taking digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Do you have too much or too little? What do you do? Dr. Luke Bucci is our guide today. We invite you to join us. 800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, with the pioneering work of the forward-thinking physicians like America's wellness doctor, Dr. Julian Whitaker, indicating that Down syndrome is not one of those congenital, oh, nothing we can do, uh, that um, optimizing the child's nutrition because a Down syndrome child because of, of genetic um, challenges has different nutritional needs and that much of what we would consider to be, oh, it's just Down syndrome, nothing we can do, can be reversed with nutrition. Here comes some additional information. Interesting. Treadmills can help infants with Down syndrome walk months earlier than traditional therapies. They took the parents of 30 babies with Down syndrome, um, got their, their, the parents to help their children walk on treadmills for eight minutes uh, several times a day. Uh, they sat on a, a bench while straddling the machine and held the babies uh, as the treadmill belt you know, went round and round, encouraged them to walk, finding that this exercise actually helped these Down syndrome babies uh, learn to walk five months earlier than the traditional physical therapy. And, of course, if you combine that with optimizing the child's nutrition, because Down syndrome patients have different muscular development than other infants, wow, isn't this amazing? Uh, they increase the intensity of the training, uh, the, the speed of the treadmill, the length of the training. Uh, why a typical Down syndrome child doesn't learn to walk until um, two years of age or older. Can you imagine as a parent? Oh, my goodness, what a challenge. Um, this works and works much better. University of Michigan's Division of Kinesiology. Well, if you're banking your retirement 
on the drug company segment. You know, they've got a good track record on Wall Street. Lots of, of uh, profit, lots of growth. We're now at $265 billion a year industry. Wow, this is a pretty amazing information coming out of IMS Health. Uh, they expect um, 29 new drugs to launch next year and pharmaceutical sales in the U.S. to drop to a third of global sales, a 50% market share uh, from two years ago, that U.S. drug sales will drop some 15%, that we'll see emerging economies like China, Brazil, Turkey, Mexico booming, but offset by that loss of patent protections for the blockbuster drugs. And, uh, you know, I got the email earlier this month at the Food and Drug Administration, I guess last month now, um, is considering a move to make statin drugs over-the-counter. It's hard to keep up those rates of growth. They expect the U.S. prescription drug sales growth to uh, to be uh, about 5%, up to $3.5 billion. So why the drug sales will fall overall, the drug sales growth will continue uh, to advance, which kind of begs the question, baby boomers, come on, it's time to get a message that the most often uh, situation for drugs being prescribed is chronic conditions. This isn't where medication uh, really shines. In fact, modern medicine shines in trauma and emergency, not in chronic medicine. That's where true wellness-based medicine uh, from giants like America's wellness doctor really shine. Well, speaking of drugs, this is a little <laughs> concerning with all the, the scares and the scandals uh, about China and products out there. The Food and Drug Administration, according to their head, who was called before a congressional uh, committee, had to explain the FDA's lopsided approach to inspecting drugs that the growing amount of drugs produced overseas is uh, now revealed as the fact that these foreign drugs get almost no scrutiny by the Food and Drug Administration, that while the FDA plans to inspect 300 foreign drug firms this year, uh, you know, that's, <laughs> there's 3,300 uh, of those firms worldwide and why all U.S. drug makers are inspected at least once every two years. Foreign drug makers can go up to eight years between inspections. So I guess, you know, just like country of origin labels on our food, we want to know the same when it comes to medications as well. Why, today's New York Times style section indicates that there's no evidence to suggest that organic and natural cosmetics produce extra healthy skin. You know, in the wake of the campaign for safe cosmetics and the work of pioneers in this arena, Aubrey Hampton behind Aubrey Organics has written books for years educating us uh, to read those labels. You know, what are, what is a paraben? What is a DEA and TEA? What does it mean when you put these chemicals on your skin? Knowing that if you put a drug patch on your skin, it, it can be absorbed through the skin. Well, right now it's translating to a lot more sales that in the 12 months through um, early September, Americans spent $150 million 
on three mass market natural personal care brands, Burt's Bees, Jason Natural, and Tom's of Maine, an increase of $51 million over the year before, indicating that consumers get it. You pick up Dr. Sam Epstein's Safe Shoppers Bible, uh, Aubrey Hampton's Dictionary of, of, uh, of, cos- of Cosmetic Ingredients, and you know, now the new book, Not So Pretty, uh, Stacy Malkin's book, that there are chemicals in these personal care products and disturbing information about these chemicals has led many consumers to say, hey, you know, even though the New York Times said there's no evidence to conclude that organic cosmetics produces extra healthy skin, you know, the, the evidence is becoming very clear that parabens and DEAs and TEAs and all these cosmetics and chemicals not good in terms of putting it on our, our body's largest organ, that porous skin. All about natural organic beauty. We're speaking of product concerns, consumers union putting five home lead uh, testing kits to the test indicating that three of those five worked and worked quite well. Detecting surface or accessible lead, they're unable to um, assess lead embedded before, uh, below the surface, but the HOMAX um, uh, lead check and lead check household lead test kit are the easiest to use, identifying surface lead on toys, ceramic, Dishwar and plastic. And one of them, I mean, only cost $8. I think there's going to be a real boon for all of these heavy metal testing kits, whether it's in our water or toys, uh, our children's toys. We're just a lot more cognizant that heavy metals are among us and they can be detrimental to our health. Well, it first so showed some promise. And now, according to the British medical journal Lancet's Neurology, it actually accelerates amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, Lou Gehrig's disease, minocycline, that antibiotic that first promised some progress, now find uh, it has failed the clinical trial and actually accelerates the degeneration of ALS. And with the unfolding revelation that we now have identified non Congenital, in other words, not related to to genes, but related to um, toxins. You know how toxins in the environment affect our genes, forms of ALS. You know it's a promising uh, disease drug, failing a trial, but an eye-opening uh, uh, fact for many of us that there's a lot more of these neurodegenerative diseases around these days. Luke Bucci joining us at the bottom of the hour. Dr. Bucci will be talking about digestion, all about the enzymes. We invite you to join us, 800-307-3002. Warning, the Surgeon General has determined that missing any portion of this show could be hazardous to your health. Once again, the host who's a medical consumer just like you, Deborah Ray. Dr. Luke Bucci joining us uh, each week as he does um, during this time. The bottom of the hour, we're going to take up a series of science-based nutrient supplementation focus, uh, the series under the entire guise of digestive support, and today all about the enzymes. And if you ever wondered, you know, what are digestive enzymes? How do I know that I need them? 
um, you know, how do I choose wisely in a world that where we demonize stomach acid, but the same symptoms of too much stomach acid or the same symptoms of too low stomach acid? We've got a lot on the table, and uh, we'll certainly open up the phone lines if you care to join uh, Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today to talk about digestion, all about the enzymes at one 800 Well, it's the American Botanical Council filing comments with United States Pharmacopeia regarding USP's proposal to require a cautionary statement for black cohosh products indicating the possibility of liver toxicity. Thankfully, the American Botanical Council is um, being very firm that black cohosh which has long been used uh, by women to reduce or minimize the symptoms of uh, of menopause. In fact, um, in head-to-head studies uh, um, done at NIH showed it was as effective without the side effects. That, that there's no there's no evidence here to warrant a proposed caution. In fact, we talked with Dr. Alexander Schaus, who's a real expert on, on nutrition that you know he was aware of this and aware that they just didn't have any science to back it up but they kept saying over and over again oh black cohosh could be dangerous to your liver and it was almost like saying the lie over and over again um, you know you tell the lie so often uh, you start to believe it's true black cohosh does not require label caution according to the American Botanical Council well, they're at an all-time high in this country. Better than 30% of births in this country are by C-section. The University of Oxford has published um, in the British Medical Journal Online that compared to vaginal deliveries, C-sections have twice the risk of complications and deaths to both the infant and the mother when the infant is in the normal head-down position. However, if the unborn child is breached, in other words, turned around, the benefits of C-section outweigh the risk. The intriguing thing is, there's solid science to indicate that acupuncture can turn that baby's position. So women in the C-section group had twice the risk of blood transfusion, admission to intensive care, a prolonged hospital stay, death, uh, hysterectomy, compared to those delivering vaginally. In fact, they were 500% more likely to require antibiotic treatment. So not to be taken lightly, oh, it's just a C-section, raising the risk to both mother and infant. Well, piqued my interest, the title read, The Effects of Vitamins on Cancer. And with this week's Journal of the National Cancer Institute indicating that if you are somebody with colon cancer and have high levels of vitamin D, you're 72% less likely to die than people with the exact same cancer, but not optimal blood levels of vitamin D. And if you are a former heavy smoker, that a combination of modified vitamin A, retinoic acid, with the vitamin E. Wow, it was a way knowing that even if a smoker quits, for the next two decades they're still at an increased risk of lung cancer. 
that these nutrients can make a difference. These retinoids may prevent lung cancer in former smokers, reducing that extended risk of developing lung cancer. It's all about the effects of vitamins on cancer. Well, the statistics disturbing. 8% of U.S. medical school graduates chose to become family doctors. One in five Americans have no access to primary care doctors because there's not enough of those doctors to go around. That that doctor generally makes about $100,000 a year, probably has um, some debt left over from medical school, that if they take Medicare, Medicare only covers 60% of the cost, not the profit, the cost of treating the patient. Uh, your operating expenses are increasing each year on average 3 to 5%. So why it's the cornerstone of our health care system, the question being asked, I know Dr. John Abramson has, has raised this flag. He's the author of Overdosed America. What happened to the family doctor? What happened to that doctor who knew you and your lifestyle and your family and who was more important, uh, interested in educating you that lifestyle made a difference? That just following your cholesterol or blood sugar number or your blood pressure uh, leading to a prescription being written wasn't the optimal care in the end. So sobering information indeed that only 8% of our nation's U.S. medical school graduates choose to go into primary care. Well, I guess there's a lot of focus these days. Uh, The Secretary of Health and Human Services, Michael Levitt, a fact-finding trip to uh, Switzerland and the Netherlands, because there's a big difference there. We spend 16%, and it's going up, of our gross national product on health or disease care. The Dutch, 9.2%. In fact, uh, last year, the Dutch changed their system where two-thirds of the Dutch people were covered by a government health program and the wealthiest one-third bought their own health insurance to now a system where everybody must buy private insurance from one of 30 competing insurers. Employers are required to pay half the annual premium And in Switzerland, where they spend 11% of their gross national product on health care, employers do not pay for health insurance. There are 90 private market insurers. Everybody in Switzerland must buy coverage. 30% of the population receives some government subsidy. And the average monthly cost for a family of four for health insurance in Switzerland is $850. (laughs) You know what it is in this country? It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. I mean, even if you uh, think that it's the better part of financial uh, protection to buy health insurance, where do you find it and how do you afford it? So now the Bush administration is saying, it's time. We have run out of options. We spend more, get less. Our people not healthier at age 60. Our infant mortality rates. I mean, it's just, come on, it's broken. So we're taking a look at in universal but not state-run health care in Europe to hopefully provoke some sort of let's do what we can because rationing care doesn't work shifting the cost doesn't work how do we truly lower medical cost in this country and of course as you and I well know it all comes back to 
you and my lifestyle. Your lifestyle, my lifestyle, is what makes a difference in the end. 78% of our nation's health care dollars go to the treatment of chronic conditions. The chronic conditions of heart disease, a McMaster University professor, it's man-made. Cancer, diabetes, arthritis, again, the lifestyle choices that we make affect genetic expression. And your diet, and your supplements, and your activity, and your sleep, and your emotional and spiritual health, those truly make a difference when it comes to controlling medical cost. We're going to return. A very special guest joining us today. We invite you to go to the phone, pick it up, call us, 800-307-3002, launching a series about digestive support. It's our regular focus on science-based nutrient supplementation. Dr. Luke Bucci, who is a well-known Ph.D. clinical nutritionist, educator, and author, joining us to talk about all about the digestive enzymes on Healthy Talk Radio. The information presented on Healthy Talk Radio is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, how much do they know about medicine anyway? This segment with Dr. Luke Bucci is being sponsored by Schiff, the brand consumers have trusted for 70 years and the maker of Schiff Super Enzymol. And part of our uh, regular focus on science-based nutrient supplementation gives us the opportunity to expand on a variety of collective topics. We've talked about men's health, women's health. Today, oh, it's essential for all of us, young, old, no matter what our gender, digestive support. Yeah, good health does begin <laughs> with good digestive health. And joining us today uh, as our guide, as he is on a regular basis, is a noted um, research scientist, uh, educator, author, clinician in the field of science-based nutrient supplementation. He's Dr. Luke Bucci, the Vice President of Research for Shift Nutrition. Luke, hello and welcome. Good morning, Deborah. A good topic to with which to start. Uh, all about the enzymes. Mm-hmm. Well, I decided to kind of start, um, you know, kind of follow the food through the path of digestion, and uh, really, what happens after, of course, you chew it and swallow it is it gets into the stomach, where the uh, not only is there stomach acid, but there's also enzymes in the stomach that start to break down certain things like proteins. And but really, most of your enzymes are actually in. Uh, well, I say they're in your small intestine. They come from your pancreas, but they also come from your small intestine itself. And that's where enzymes are really doing their job to break down all the different components of our food stuff, so we can absorb them and use them for energy and growth and maintenance. So, uh, digestion is something we all take for granted because we do it. 24/7. We're unless you're fasting for long time periods, you're doing it. Even if you are fasting, you're still digesting uh, the intestinal cells that slough off and your gut bacteria. So you're always digesting, and you're always making enzymes. And in fact, uh, try living without a pancreas. Uh, that that it need for enzymes is so important that if you have problems with uh, your pancreas. Uh, you have you have life and death situations. That's why pancreatitis is so critical and such an emergency, a medical emergency, is because uh, if you get that little duct blocked where the pancreas puts out all of its enzymes into the gut, 
the enzymes have nowhere to go, and they start digesting your pancreas. Wow. And without a pancreas, you don't digest any food, and you don't get any nutrition, and you perish. So what about uh, problems with digestive enzymes? You know, what are some of the, the, the typical clinical symptoms that we may experience, and uh, of course we'll delve into it in much more detail, that our digestive enzymes are, are not optimal, Luke? Well, there's two ways to do this. One is just listen to your body, and if you have symptoms after eating, such as just upset stomach or bloating or a bunch of rumbling and grumbling in your gut, and then you have uh, some loose stools or greasy stools, if you actually see oil floating on, on top of the water in the toilet, that's not a good sign. That means you don't have enough uh, enzymes to digest fat is one of the possibilities. Mm-hmm. So, and, and if food kind of comes out the way it went in, if it's still, uh, um, still, you still know what it, what it, what it was, right. uh, that's not a good sign either. That means there's probably not enough enzymes to really tear apart your food on a molecular level. So those are all signs that, that something's going wrong with your enzymes. You know, it could be some stomach acid issues too, but usually even without stomach acid, if you have enough enzymes, you can still totally digest protein and fats and carbohydrates. Uh, it's a little harder, but you still can. So that's one sign. There is also a wonderful test called the comprehensive digestive stool analysis yeah. where you uh, have to basically poop in a cup and you have to get this from a doctor or, or a nutritionist request, of course. And then that's sent off to several, one of several labs and they really work it over. They really examine your stool. Uh, not, not, didn't sound like a bunch of fun, but boy, you can sure tell a lot about somebody by what comes out that end. And that can really pinpoint whether you have enzyme deficiencies or other problems with your digestive tract. So that's kind of, uh, the ultimate way to figure out how you're doing, but really go with the signs. Look for weird changes in your stool, especially if they're greasy or putty or gray-colored. That's just not supposed to be. Now, you mentioned stomach acid. Of course, we are all um, um, students exposed to the marketing message that we demonize stomach acid. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, I was hoping not to get into that too much because I could go on for a few days as, as you could. Um, you know, don't be afraid of your stomach acid. You need it. It's there for a good reason, one of which is to sterilize your food so you don't get infections and don't get a messed up digestive tract from just microorganisms that are normally present in healthy foods even, not to mention bad foods. Uh, plus, it does start the process of protein digestion off right so your enzymes can later finish it off, finish off the proteins. So if you don't have stomach acid, you all you run the risk of two things primarily, and from a nutritional standpoint, one is you can become B, vitamin B12 deficient. That starts in the stomach, and without stomach acid, it doesn't work as well. Number two is I think it raises your risk of getting uh, food allergies, what, what's commonly called food allergies, and that has a whole widespread spectrum of problems. Uh, just you name it, it can it can happen. So that's another problem. Uh, but yes, you can live and survive without stomach acid, as millions of people in this country are doing, either on their own or with the assistance of all these drugs. Stomach upset is not just loss of, of stomach acid or or excess stomach acid. Uh, what it is 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 you get a little 
leakage from stomach contents into the esophagus, and the, the natural stomach acid does irritate that. So it's kind of like uh, very simplistic to, well, let's just get rid of the stomach acid. Then when that happens, you won't feel it. <laughs> it still happens. It's not proper, but uh, that's not the right approach uh, because half the time it's also bile that's being regurgitated into the stomach that does get in, into the esophagus, and that burns too. So that the, the use of these stomach acid quenchers right, right. and left just... Right. Doesn't don't make good sense. In fact, um, I guess they're so prevalent uh, among those in business in this country. Um, oh, I guess about a year ago, a year and a half ago, the Wall Street Journal had a separate section <laughs> devoted to, to heartburn and talked about the potential downsides of of everybody popping, assing, blocking medications or, or over the counter pills, Luke. Oh, yeah, those were one of the first uh, prescription drugs to, to make the switch to over-the-counters were these acid blockers. And they, they do work wonderfully, and they do relieve symptoms relatively quickly and very strongly. But, uh, again, it, it's monkey wrench in your body. It's, it's suppressing something that's normal that, that uh, really needs to happen. Uh, I think you're setting yourself up for problems down the road with long-term use. Occasional use is probably not going to hurt. But anytime you start monkey wrenching the body, putting a monkey wrench in something the body wants to do, there's going to be repercussions. Right? We see it with everything that gets inhibited too much. And I think that's what we're going to see, more food allergies, uh, less B12 status, which means more mental problems, more cardiovascular disease. Uh, you know, the list can go on and on. But uh, if you have to use those things for symptomatic relief occasionally, Fine. That's what they're there for. But that's not what most people are doing. They're living on them, and that's not what they're intended for. So I mean, make sure to use them right. You mentioned you know, stomach acid in, in bacteria, and with the, you know, the study that appeared in the British Medical Journal that you know, the chronic use of these acid-blocking drugs uh, can possibly increase the risk of upper respiratory infections by 80%. Well, yes, and this is a little-known little fact, but I think I've talked previously about how a lot of your immune system is actually in your gut. Well, if you are alive, you're swallowing all those viruses that are out there. I mean, we're always exposed to viruses, always. You can't stop it. I don't care if you have a face mask and sterile environment. No, you're going to get viruses. What you're going to do is you're going to swallow them. And what that means is they get attacked by stomach acid and deactivated, but the stomach acid does that partially and it leaves the DNA so that your gut immune system sees these viral particles and viral chunks and pieces and it goes, oh, okay, this stuff is not us. Make antibodies, make immune responses to it. So you get immunity that way. You get immunity by the proper stomach acid and enzyme digestion that we normally do uh, and that gets into the immune system of your gut and then that goes throughout your body. So that's how we normally, naturally don't come to these viruses immediately because they're always there. Now, if you get rid of the stomach acid, the virus particles may not be inactivated at all. They might be alive and well and kicking and get in that way. So you could potentially infect yourself or you don't have a proper immune response. So you, yeah, that's another, I think, hidden problem with uh, blocking stomach acid continuously. So for those people, I mean, whether they underwent maybe a Heidelberg gastrogram or, you know, on the basis of, of signs and symptoms, you know, talking with a practitioner, think that they may not have enough stomach acid, um, are there supplement options, Luke? 
There are supplement options. I, I don't think they work really well. I've spent a lot of time dealing with those, and the science on them is just not real crystal clear. I mean, you can take things that have an HCL attached to them, which is hydrochloric acid, but they're they're electrically neutral. They're bound to a glutamate or a betaine, for example. So they're bound to healthy compounds, but uh, they don't really acidify the stomach. Really good old apple cider vinegar, which does have a, a nice acidic pH, that's probably one of the better ways to go assist stomach acid. There are certain bitter herbs that are very commonly used in Europe to help increase stomach acid production. Another one that we all kind of forget about but do all the time is coffee. It does increase stomach acid secretion, which is why some people just can't tolerate coffee. Uh, If you don't like the caffeine, try decaf. That still does it too. So there are things you can do to get your stomach acid up, but uh, there's a few vitamin deficiencies that that can cause a lack of stomach acid. But that's mean you're pretty bad shape and have other problems before that happens. Uh, Vitamin B12, coincidentally, being one of them. So that's it. So it's kind of hard to pump up your stomach acid right when you need it, except to have acids like vinegar with your meals. So that's why I like to focus more on the enzymes because they can make good a lot of stomach acid deficiencies. And you know this use of, of uh, you know apple cider vinegar. I've been fascinated by some of the Japanese studies indicating that a lot of people kind of shake, I guess, either rice vinegar on on their food. Um, it actually you know helps to stimulate uh, insulin sensitivity. Actually, you know, right, right, that too. Yeah. That's another hidden benefit. Really, it, it's any vinegar type acid. It doesn't have to be apple cider, but uh, balsamic will work. Uh, right. Like you say, the rice. There's, it, vinegar period works. Uh, I, I like to use all sorts of vinegars because it's just more fun. <laughs> you get different flavors. It makes the, the food actually you feel better uh, because it does help digestion, whether you have a deficiency of stomach acid or not. Uh, more acid during a meal is a good thing. That's so, the whole point. So we've moved away, you know, for, from those flavors in our diet. You know, we used to eat a lot of, of, of pickled foods mm-hmm. and vinegary foods. To you know, everything's sweet or, or you know, richly fat, uh, fat. Oh, that's true. Because when you're before refrigeration, uh, you had to have a lot of uh, something to make sure microorganisms didn't eat the food before you did. Uh, preserve it. So salt is one way, and acid is another way, just like your stomach does. So uh, vinegar is a very easy to get common acid, and it's it's very healthy. In fact, the uh, vinegar is really acetate, which is what all of our sugars and amino acids and fats are eventually broken down to to enter into our intracellular energy pathways. It's acetate that actually is is used as the basic energy currency. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, glucose, lactic acid, yeah, but they all become acetate sooner or later. And that's what feeds the Krebs cycle, or what's now called the tricarboxylic or citric acid cycle, but that's where you get your ATP from is the bottom line in energy. So acetate is good. So that way it cuts to the chase. If you you also not only help your stomach acid and digestion, but you also have a small but very helpful energy source and interestingly your intestinal cells love these short chain fatty acids is what they're called like acetate Uh, they love it interesting let's uh, say hello and welcome to John you're on the air with Dr. Luke Bucci John 
Hi, Deborah. Uh, Dr. Bucci. Uh, I had a question. I, it seems like I'm noticing more people are getting these kidney stones uh, lately, and I just wondered how that related to, like, vinegar uh, or the acidity in the urine or in, in the kidneys to flush, you know, dissolve the stones or whatever. I wonder if there's any relation there. Okay, thanks. There is, there is a relation. Uh, basically, more of these organic acids like vinegar or citric acid from citrus fruits, etc., is actually helpful for preventing kidney stones. I think there's good, clear epidemiological evidence. In other words, people that uh, eat more vinegar, I should say drink more vinegar or eat more citrus fruits and things like that, have more acids in their diet, have fewer kidney stones. It just helps dissolve the minerals better because eventually if you do have too much of these or even normal metabolism causes them to happen, they come out in the urine. So they help keep minerals soluble. And that means less kidney stones. So yes, Luke, there is a link. Luke, hold that thought. We don't miss a minute, John. We're not going to cut you short here. Back to you. Back to others with Dr. Luke Bucci, Talking Digestion. Supersizing your healthcare knowledge. Woo-hoo! Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. Our topic, digestive support, in our regular focus on science-based nutrient supplementation with Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today, the Vice President of Research for Shift Nutrition. And, you know, that, that big topic of digestive enzymes, supplemental digestive enzymes. Give us an overview, please, Luke. Oh, that's, uh, that, actually there's good science on that. It's yeah. been a well-studied feature because a lot of people have certain health conditions like pancreatitis or uh, cystic fibrosis even where there is a lack of pancreatic enzymes. And that just really messes up their digestion to the point where they start to lose weight and lose tissue and body mass. So that's obviously not healthy. Uh, so simply adding in tablets of digestive enzymes with a meal uh, definitely helps improve the digestion of foodstuffs. So uh, there's plenty of those kind of products available. They actually are the same enzymes that your pancreas puts out, plus there's also the the same kinds of enzymes from vegetable sources, and they do should digest uh, protein, fats, and carbohydrates, just like your own pancreas can do. So those products are available. I, I think there's um, very good activity in these things. I've done experiments in the past where I've measured the activity of, of these products, right. and the vast majority are what I call red hot, meaning they're active, and they really do work. Uh, the studies show people do notice improvements in digestion and reduction of their their uh, uh, stomach upset kind of symptoms. So that's one of those. Uh, that's one of the few supplements that you can notice and feel right away, even. Now, is there there are good sources of information that you have found, uh, or is it something that you really should uh, you know consult a healthcare practitioner before saying, oh, you know, my digestion could be better, and, and delving into uh, uh, to digestive enzyme supplementation, Luke? Well, the nice thing about enzymes is that they're quite safe. They're just assisting the body with what it's already doing all the time. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's worth a therapeutic trial where you try out a bottle. If you feel better, get better, great. If you don't, then it's time to seek a healthcare practitioner. And of course, uh, with so many more people these days complaining of digestive dysfunction, for <laughs> we could do a whole show on all the reasons. <laughs> Probably more more important than ever to uh, to get the nutrients that we need from our diet uh, in an optimal fashion, Luke. 
Well, yes, it definitely is. It ensures you get everything you need. Plus, it's always a good thing to do when you have that big holiday dinner and you just feel like a beached whale. It can help clear it out and, and digest it properly if faster. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the, that European use of those digestive bitter enzyme, bitter uh, herbs is intriguing as well. Well, we've got a lot more on on tap for digestive support throughout the upcoming month. Luke, as always, a pleasure. Great job. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Deborah. Dr. Luke Bucci, our guide today, a Vice President of Research for Shift Nutrition, Digestion, all about the enzymes. If you want to go back and listen again, the show archived for two weeks, HealthyTalkRadio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you, live long, stay healthy.